1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Wednesday Quora College, Jess Romero, Dr. Dan Schneider. Dr. Schneider's got a book coming out in a few short weeks. This book is going to make waves in the Catholic Church. Uh, in, in, in the area of spiritual warfare, there's nothing like it. We'll be talking about that. A lot to talk about today, Dan. Uh, hey, uh, thanks for coming out to Southern California and uh, giving some lectures out there, Dan. Uh, uh, yeah. People people love you out there. you got a big fan base uh, out there. You know there. what? It's fantastic. Against my better judgment, I went to California. Uh, thank goodness the Lord hasn't asked me to go to Michigan, uh, being a good Ohio guy. Michigan, number one enemy. California, Southern California, number two. I always I always start with the same joke in Southern California that Lou Holtz, our football coach at Notre Dame, said. He said, why do people choose to go to USC? And the answer is because it's easier to spell than UCLA. So, so we like, I like to pick on these guys a little bit, but no, it's a it's a fine place. It's fantastic to travel around the country like you do. Even going, I'm going to Germany to travel to work with teams there and train priests there to see faithful people. The church is alive, and what you guys did at Dodger Stadium was amazing. It, it you could the 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 the, the energy. Uh, and the excitement among Catholics was palpable. And and for me, the next day when I got back, I heard Fox News, one of the announcements on Fox News, talking about using the word prayerful reparation by Catholics <laughs> kneeling on broken asphalt. Yep. I mean, it wasn't out there protesting, you know, a, a, a looting and Antifa garbage. This was true. What you guys put together, you and your brother Johnny, who's a, a stud, by the way, <laughs> what you and Johnny put together and, and, and the help of the VMPR team was fantastic. A coalition of Catholics that are there for the right reason to do reparation, not only against this particular sin, but the blasphemies that the, that this group uh, performs and, and their so-called performance. It's truly diabolic what they do. And what you guys did was show the proper Catholic response. So so hats off and kudos to you, Jess. Thanks, brother. All for Jesus to him. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Dan, I want to jump right into it. There, there's a video of a Protestant woman. Her name is Catherine Crick. She calls herself an apostle. And of course, in the very strict sense, there's only 12 apostles. The definition of an apostle is one who was an eyewitness of the resurrection and an eyewitness of the life of Christ. So real and our and our bishops would would, would be would be successors, successors. to the yeah. apostles. Right. So, so yeah. I, I don't think she has apostolic succession. <laughs> not a, not apostle. A, no. Yeah, yeah. So the video that we're gonna show you, she's in a public park and she believes that she's driving out demons. And and this is basically the model that's that comes from Protestant Pentecostals and many Catholics are now replicating this model. It's only a 30-second clip. Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip? Come forward. Your time is up. The demons cannot stand the power of God. And everyone are going up. See, this is the power of God. What are you doing to her? I torment her a lot. She will not preach. She will not spread the gospel. She will preach the gospel. Our time is up. Go now in Jesus' name. You must go. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. They are free. Praise God. 
Dan, let me make let me make a comment before you you uh, you do. I find Sorry, no. I, I don't I don't mean to, to to giggle, but but yeah, I mean we're, I, we're, I find I no comment. It, it just, I find no example in sacred scripture, and no example in sacred tradition where a female drives out demons by the laying on of hands in somebody's head uh, with imprecatory prayers. This is something that is. Again, this is the error, the heresy of Protestant Pentecostalism. Uh, I've got a lot to say. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll one up, I'll one up you on that. Um, I, I've yet to see in Scripture uh, where the imposition of hands was used to drive out demons. Wow. The imposition of hands is used to heal uh, for, for healing. They, you know, in, the, in Jesus and the apostles, after he sent them out, imposed hands upon the sick. They, they preached. They, they drove out demons, and they laid hands upon the sick, and they recovered. This is part of the Great Commission to the apostles, uh, part of the jurisdictional authority of the apostles. So, yeah, so, so I, I take several there's, several, there's several things here that, that to me is wrong with this video. One is they're not in the sacred, they're in, the, they're in a park. This is, this, is, this, is, this is fanfare. This is spectacle. Mm. When we're dealing with souls of, of diabolic affliction, there's, there's, you're dealing with the, the, the intricacy, the intimacy between God and man, the intricacy of the human soul. And this is not something to be trifled with. Um, there's no discernment. Anybody that wants to walk up and get prayed over, there's no, there's no discernment whatsoever for the psychological. The, the, you know, again, you've got a, a woman claiming to be apostle, laying hands uh, on total strangers walking up. And and uh, you have no idea if this is psychological or spiritual. There's no indication to me in any way whatsoever um, that that uh, that that this there's anything at all biblical about what they're doing. Another thing I've noticed too, then this Pentecostal model, and in some and in, and some some of the, again, this is infused, uh, uh, have been kind of uncritically accepted and brought in to the to the Catholic Church, which is what we're trying to do is restore back to Catholic norms this this ancient uh, part. Of the apostolic ministry, the tria munera of the ordained, which is to rule, to preach, to to sanctify the three munera, the three obligations of the of the priesthood, the three duties, the three responsibilities of the of the ordained, and part of that is to rule and 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 to drive out demons, as Jesus sent the apostles out. So so um, uh, um, anyway, I'll, I'll let you, oh, one of the things that you don't what we're seeing is yeah. is people doing this. There is a difference, a distinction between the manifestation. And extraction and deliberation. The same thing happened to one of our cases that I'm working with. They they went to a, a retreat with a, with a, you know a youth retreat with a child. The woman is highly afflicted. She starts manifesting uh, at the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, the priest follows her into the parking lot, does the deliverance prayers, and uh, does drives the demon out. And and she recovered very quickly. And they notified the the exorcist team. Oh, she's been liberated. The priest said it's all over. And I said, yeah, let's 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 give this a few days. It, you know, it's one thing to sucker punch a demon um, and get a manifestation and have him withdraw. It's another thing to have an extraction. And it's an and it's a truly different thing to have a liberation, which is lasting. And, and it, it, it can happen on a quick weekend uh, uh, a retreat or something. But. What we're seeing in our experience, liberation, lasting liberation, takes a long time. As you know, Jesus himself said that 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 the demon can come back sevenfold uh, um, if the house is after the house has been swept clean, because there's no virtue to fill that void. There's no there's no um, 
Um, there's no, what's it called? There's, there's just no, there's no stability prayer life. There's no union with God, a deep abiding union with God to fill that void. And the demon can come back sevenfold. Dan, Catherine Crick, this uh, Protestant woman in this video, she's not an apostle. If anything, she, she, we call ourselves disciples. A disciple means in Greek, the student of the master. An apostle is somebody who's an eyewitness. She's not an apostle. She's not a successor of the apostles. Uh, she has no apostolic authority. Uh, Dan, I've plowed through every verse of sacred scripture from Strong's exhausted concordance of the Bible. It took me about two weeks in the evening, and I discovered that there's not one verse that gives or shows lay people laying their hands over other lay people and driving out demons. Not one verse. I've done the homework. This practice that you just saw in this video has no basis in sacred scripture and you'll find, but what you will find in sacred scripture is fathers blessing their sons by praying over them and laying their hands on them. You find that all over sacred scripture, uh, but outside the family structure, you find no practice like what you saw Catherine Crick, this Protestant woman in the sacred scriptures. Yeah. So this is why we distinguish between the right to command and the right to bless. The right to command the demon follows the right to bless and, and the right to bless flows through office, flows through the office where one and that office dictates the structure of authority. Um, this is from uh, um, the laying of hands by uh, uh, Father Hardin. In both the Old and New Testaments, a significant symbolic action denotes, uh, just as you said, Jess, various meanings. Israel giving his parental blessing to Ephraim and Manasseh, Moses passing on his authority to a successor, Aaron, the priest, preparing the ram for sacrifice. In the New Testament, Jesus blesses children. Jesus brings the official's daughter back to life through blessing. Peter and John calling down the Holy Spirit on the Samaritans. After Pentecost, the laying of hands especially denoted the conferral of powers and authority of the episcopy and the Catholic Church. This is the sacrament of orders. Scott Hahn's Catholic Bible, uh, Catholic Bible Dictionary. The hand, there's, there's symbolism in Scripture, uh, uh, a biblical symbolism. The hands are used to describe the power or authority of a person. For example, the phrase, the hand of the Lord expresses the power of God, both to smite and deliver. It's saving power. To be delivered into one's hands means to be surrendered into the person's power. Hands were laid to impart blessing, to impart blessing. Jesus places his hands, etc. Um, and also the impartation of the Holy Spirit uh, is done through the imposition of hands. Um, and so we see in the Old Testament, as you say, it, it was really twofold. It was it was priestly and patriarchal and 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 oftentimes the conferral of an office. And so in the New Testament, this gets this gets picked up in the Gospels um, of for healing of the sick and for blessing. Now. How was the New Testament received? Gives, gives us a tremendous indication of how this works, how the New Testament is received, and then how the gospel, uh, how the entire Bible is received in the early church. And the Acts of the Apostles, um, ordaining of deacons, Acts 6.6. 6. Peter and John lay hands on the Samaritans, Acts 8.17. Ananias, one of the 72 in Luke 9, the first bishop of Damascus, lays hands on Paul so that he may regain his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So this conferral of the Holy Spirit and healing is done through the imposition of hands. Acts 13, 13, Barnabas, Simeon, Niger, one of the 72, Lucius of Cyrene, one of the 72 in Luke 9, and Bishop of Laodicea in Syria. Hold that uh, thought, Dan. Okay. Hold that thought, my friend. Hard break. We'll okay. be right back. Wednesday, War College. Talking about 
the laying on of hands, the do's and don'ts. Stick around. Stand up, stand up, stand up for Jesus with your lives, with your lips, and with your love. Wednesday War College, two Catholics that love the Lord, love Our Lady, faithful sons of Holy Mother Church, Dr. Dan, Jess Romero. We're talking about the do's and don'ts of laying on of hands. We just saw a fake apostle on the internet, Kathleen Crick. Now, she's not an apostle. She's a Protestant Pentecostal woman who's probably very sincere, but uh, she's not following the scriptural protocol. Dan, you're giving us, you're looking at several verses right before the break and uh, the verses that talk about the laying on of hands and you're just giving a quick context, a quick exegesis of each of these verses. Can you continue? Yeah. So, so in the old Testament, it was, it was priestly and it was, it was priestly and it was patriarchal. That was the imposition of hands. The phrase imposition of hands. This is, this is a symbolically imbued uh, act. It also it also was used to to convey uh, office, you know, Moses to his successor, et cetera. Um, and so in the New Testament, or again, remember what happened in history, we now have in mystery. We don't abandon the old. We, we build upon the old and now full, becomes fulfilled. Right. Uh, I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. So 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 the fulfillment is now seen in Christ's blessing. Christ conferring the right to bless, Christ blessing, Christ healing. The imposition of hands is for healing. And, and then he sends off the apostles with what we call the three, triamunra, the threefold office. Dan, Dan that's which, a huge distinction right there. You, we just said that this is huge. This, this answers the entire question. The laying on of hands that we see in scripture is for healing, not driving out demons. You just, you, you basically just stole anybody's thunder on this argument. Well, if you even look at Jesse, if you even look at the ritual, the rite of exorcism, uh, and 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 in the in the in the, the the old ritual, what happens is um, the, there's no imposition of hands by the priest. They lay the stole on the neck, and the neck is symbolic of where where uh, she will crush the head of the serpent, the spot that which the proto-evangelicum prophesied that the head of the serpent will be crushed by the redeemer with the cooperation of the woman with the redeemer and all, then the, the 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 ritual says to place your hand with a uh, a relic or crucifix upon the head during the exorcism and so this is something that was used to confer the holy spirit it was can used uh in the new testament to for it was sacramental for ordination um for post-baptismal anointing which we know to be as catholics confirmation the conferring of the holy spirit and the pauline letters one five uh, 1 Timothy 5.22, don't lay hands too readily on anyone and do not share in another's sins. Keep yourself pure. Laying hands on somebody in a park is kind of laying hands kind of readily on somebody, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> 1 Tim 4.14, don't neglect the gift you have, which was conferred on you through the prophetic word and the imposition of hands of the presbyterate. 2 Timothy 1.6, I remind you to stir into a flame the gift of God you received through the imposition of my hands. Gift of God in New Testament language is the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 6.12, the author refers to instructions about baptism and the laying of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgments as essential elements of Christian faith, the imposition of hands. I think, Jess, what, what we're at the root of this is we've got a complete collapse 
Again, well, the, think about this in our society. If I yeah. can identify, if gender is a social construct, if marriage is a social, mm-hmm. social construct, if all these are social constructs and we're now operating outside of natural law, right? Uh, uh, if, if we're up, and, and by natural law or moral law, but man has a natural law is that law embedded within man uh, um, uh, that that guides him to right behavior. And so, so it's graspable by human reason. If we become so unreasonable in our modern society that I can identify my gender, if that's a social construct that I can now say I identify as uh, a man or a woman or or both or, or or a furry, an animal, if that if we completely detach man from that. Uh, from 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 natural law, then we can completely detach the priesthood from divine positive law. And so now I can self-identify as an apostle. I have this gift. There I went go. through some certain training. I'm now an apostle. So we have what's called comment on that. But then I want to talk about the universal versus the sacerdotal priesthood. Well, I know you've got I know you've got some DDT coming right now. Yeah, it's OK. But I, I that's why I have you here for Dan. I would just I just want to mention this this error. If people want to know the history of this error. It comes from the Protestant Pentecostal model. It started around 1901 in Topeka, Kansas by Charles Parham at the Bethel, at Bethel College and Bible School. Uh, and so the Catholics, many Catholics have picked up this Protestant model. Now, pe- people need to live, return to a life of purity, cleanliness, and to live in a state of grace in order to be healed. You can't have somebody who called himself an apostle in a public park, which is not a sacred space. She has no apostolic authority, uh, doing imprecatory prayers, driving demons out. That's not biblical. It's not in scripture. Look at the, the diabolically afflicted person, uh, in, in order for them to become healed, they have to be properly catechized, they have to be evangelized. They have to come back into a right relationship with God. This means that they have to reorient their intellect and their will towards God and embrace a life of order, of cleanliness. And so what we saw in that video, Dan, the, the charismatic uh, Pentecostal model uh, that some people have power, you know, some gifted ones have power in the name of Jesus. Uh, the, the, the Pentecostal model what it does is brings temporary relief to an afflicted person because somebody's paid attention to them and their memories and their emotions are pacified and they're satiated for a while and they have a sense of peace. However, there's no healing because there's no reordering of the person's intellectual faculties and there's no reordering of the person's interior life, which means there still remains impediments to grace. So without returning back to the sacraments, there will be no permanent healing. There's simply, you know, a cessation of pain for a short while. That's all you see in these videos, Dan. Yeah, no, and it's sensationalism. And and we fall into this even in, in, in among Catholic circles. Yes, yes. You and I could I, you and I could tell a hundred stories of the crazy stuff we've seen, <laughs> right? But I'm not going to. That doesn't, you know what I mean? I will use a story to illustrate a point, but I'm not going to do that to sell books. What we want to do is lay down DDT, the stuff from the beginning. By the way, everybody needs to buy uh, uh, Dan's books coming out one month. I'm telling you, this book is going to be what Carl Keating's book, Catholicism and Fundamentalism, was to apologetics. Dan Schneider's books... Uh, book spiritual warfare a manual of spiritual warfare this is going to have the same effect in the world of spiritual warfare i am telling you this is the locus classicus for lay people on spiritual warfare sorry dan go ahead no 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 i appreciate it i mean everything we're talking about 
I try to run it through in a systematic way. You know, I write as a scholar, but I also write as a, as someone who's been working in this for, for many, many years now. And, and also as a guy, long before I got a PhD in biblical studies, I got a PhD in common sense in the south end of Columbus, Ohio, by, by my father, may, may the Lord rest his soul, uh, who was the original Gran Torino. So we're just trying to provide the way the Gran Torino, the son of the Torino, would, would try to put down for people to understand this, but in, in logical and theological ways. So one of, the, one of the things that we're seeing, Jess, is that remember that there's a distinction between the universal priesthood of, the, of all the baptized and the sacerdotal priesthood uh, of the ordained. Right. So there's a distinction. And the Second Vatican Council says that the, the, the difference is in both essence and in degree. Mm. That priesthood, the problem is when you collapse that priesthood together, that my priesthood is no different than than father's priesthood. Then what do we have is we have functionalism. Right. The, the, you know, we have we have I function as this and you function of that. But but we all now when people say that 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 can we cast out demons? Yes. Within our office of head of household as fathers and mothers in our homes, over our temporal goods, over ourselves, but, but setting up shop in a park in the parish hall basement is a very dangerous proposition. So it's the collapse of the two priesthoods. But once those two things collapse, then what, we, what we're left is, is functionalism. And I hear that this is just clericalism. What you guys are saying is clericalism, right? This is why I quote Anigo Montoya. You keep using that word. I don't think you have what it means. This is not clericalism. This is Catholicism. This is Roman Catholicism. Is it clericalism, Jess, when, when you're scrambling to get somebody to come bless, find, give final last rites to your father when he's dying, <laughs> when you need to go to confession? Uh, is that clericalism? When you need to receive the Holy Eucharist, the real body, blood, soul, divinity, is that clericalism? This is part and parcel of the sacerdotal priesthood and the dignity of the priest. I'm going to ask you another lead-in question, Jesse. What does Father Chad Riffiger, Father Winston Kabading, who is the chief of uh, of um, in the Philippines who trains extras all over the world, Monsignor Rossetti and Monsignor Charles Pope all have in common. All, all of those four intellectual spiritual warfare giants, all of them say, lay people, don't lay your hands on other people to drive out demons. All of these four, I call them the fantastic four of spiritual warfare. All of them, these fantastic four say, lay people, don't do what you saw in that video. That's not Catholic. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, this is a huge issue right now. We, we, we really need to, 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 uh, uh, to really flesh this out and for people to understand. Um, I, I pulled up a document, um, and, and uh, I want to go over it again as well if we have time in this segment. Um, but it's, it's through the, the, the new book of blessings or the revised book of blessings. Uh, in the old book of blessings, there's no mention of laity giving any blessings. Okay, this is this is the book for clerics. And the new the blessing, here's what it says. Um, um, paragraph 18 in the introduction. The ministry of blessing involves a particular exercise of the priesthood of Christ. Fair enough. Universal priesthood. And the, the sacerdotal or hierarchical priesthood. There's two priesthoods, and we all share in that same universal priesthood. The difference is he'll be a priest forever, right? Uh, I'm not going to be married after after me, me or my wife pass away, but the priest will be a priest forever. So the ministry of blessing involves a particular exercise of the priesthood of Christ in keeping with the place and office within the people of God belonging to each person. In keeping with the place and office within the people of God belonging to each person, the exercise of this ministry is determined in the following manner. And he walks down, the, the authors walk down, bishop, 
with those bishop, uh, uh, priest, deacon, acolyte or reader, and then layman and laywoman. And it says, laymen and laywomen in virtue of the universal priesthood, a dignity they possess because of their baptism and confirmation, may celebrate certain blessings as indicated in the respective orders of blessings by use of the rites and formularies designated for lay ministers. Such lay persons exercise this ministry in virtue of their office. For example, parents on behalf of their children. It doesn't say, for example, those who have this special gift of driving out demons because they went through a life in the spirit seminar. It says, for example, in the office of parents on behalf of their children, right, or by, or by reason of some special liturgical ministry or fulfillment of a particular charge of the church. And there they're talking about catechetical work. So offering blessing, may the Lord bless students today. There, there's an office there. But the lay people bless and, by correlation, drive out demons according to their office over the children. If you look at the different rituals that lay people are encouraged to do blessings, they're deprecatory when it's an object and it's imprecatory when it's over their children. Dan, one more uh, source that you didn't quote is the Catholic Encyclopedia. I'm not sure if you did. You go to newadvent.org, you can, you can look at the article, Imposition of Hands. It says, the laying on of hands is a priestly action or an action from an Israelite father to his son. You're listening to Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Dan Schneider. Stick around, we'll be right back. Huge topic. Hey, Jeff. Yeah, Dan, what's going on? This is a great topic. We get this asked all the time. I'm just excited that, uh, that we're bringing it up today. I, I, and I appreciate all the good research and good work that you're doing on this as well. Dan, I'll tell you, all, all of this stems from the root cause of this is a misunderstanding of the priesthood. Right. Many Catholics, look at Protestant fundamentals and evangelicals, they often say, we don't need Catholic priests because all Christians are priests. They took that doctrine, the priesthood of all believers, from the Protestant heretic reformers. That's what the reformers taught. So uh, this, is, this is something that's carried throughout all of Protestantism. There is yeah. no ministerial sacerdotal priesthood. There's just a universal priesthood. Therefore, they, everybody self-identifies uh, in Protestantism as an apostle and as a priest of God and therefore and a priest with a priest with a capital P. And so this is the problem. It's the misunderstanding within Protestantism. And then Catholics have just borrowed the results of that error. They watch these Protestant practices like Catherine Crick on, on, on YouTube and many others, you know, Bob Larson, many, many others, too many to count. And then they say, well, if the Protestants could do it, we can do it as well. <clears throat> Dan, there's an element of Gnosticism in all of this. And what do I mean by that? It's yeah, good only point. certain people have yeah. this gift. Not everybody, but I have the gift. So come to me and I'll drive the demons out of your kids, your husband, your wife, etc. I have the gift. You don't. You have to come to me because I have this special gift, this special knowledge that only I've been given. Dan, there's something cultic about this. There's, there, there's, there's, again, there's this Gnostic component to this 
uh, type of Protestant protocol. Yeah, let me read a quote from, from before I do that, I want to read a quote from Father Amorth, but one last thing on the on the Book of Blessings, um, on page 22 of the new, the new rich, the revised Book of Blessings. The God from whom all blessings flow favored many persons, particularly, it didn't say particularly those who go through this certain training and seminar, particularly those who are tall or educated or otherwise. It says, no, God from whom all blessings flow favored many persons, particularly patriarchs, kings, priests, Levites, and parents by allowing them to offer blessings and praise of his name and invoke his name so that other persons or the works of creation would be showered with divine blessings. If you go to the footnotes, all the footnotes, it lists off multiple scriptures. Melchizedek blesses Abram, conferring of an office. Aaron blesses lay people. The patriarch Isaac blesses Jacob. Ezra the priest blesses the people. The patriarch Jacob blesses his 12 sons. The Levites bless lay people. Um, Nehemiah, the priest have been chosen to minister and give blessings in his name. Uh, uh, Sirach, the patriarch Moses, uh, uh, before his death, blesses the 12 tribes. Uh, Joshua blesses the people uh, and the leaders. Um, and then and then, and, and Hebrews, uh, offering blessings, or Sirach saying, rather, offering blessings, parents should offer blessings to their children. So we see, we see, we see that to bless is part of, part of being Christian. It's part of who we are, our inheritance from, from, from Judaism. And so how do we see that transfer, transfer into the New Testament? It's all in done in proper order. Even when Paul's talking about the spiritual gifts, all things in right order. And so we begin not with charism. We begin with office. Here's what, here's what uh, Father Gabriel Amor says. He says, there is always a strong temptation. By the way, I, got, I quoted this in the book. There is always a strong temptation for charismatics, sensitives, and exorcists of finding the quickest way to heal by going outside the common sacred means of obtaining grace. And what are those common sacred mm. meanings of obtaining sacraments, grace? The, the sacraments. sacraments. The sacraments. If I can't get this guy cleaned up through the priest, and, and Father doesn't know anything about this. He's not anointed anyway. I'm going to take care of this myself. I'm going to drive this demon out myself because Father can't even preach a homily. He's he's a bad priest. <laughs> he's going to die, the demon. Yeah, you lay your hands, you hover your hands over a piece of bread and a cup of wine, and you turn it into the body and blood of Jesus and tell me, tell me, and, and tell me he's not anointed. You see what I mean? And here's what Father Moore says. And part of that is prayer, sacrifice, a sacrificial, uh, 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 sacrificial uh, spirituality of suffering, and the sacraments. Those are the ordinary common sacred means. He said those who seek solution, quick solutions outside of the ordinary channels of obtaining grace, he says, quote, unwittingly fall into the trap of magic. And I see this. I get mm-hmm. all the time from our teams. Help me with this. What kind of demon is this? What kind of prayer can I pray for this? What can I do for this to get this type of ritual out? You know, I had a priest call me not long ago. Hey, this guy did this ritual. He did this ritual. And then he did this thing. Then he did this. And he describes all this God awful stuff the guy did. And he goes, what do I do? I mean, what do you think the entry point is? And I'm like, I don't know. I said, but there was a Jewish carpenter once who was an exorcist. You know what he said to this situation? <laughs> this type only comes out through prayer and fasting. And the priest said, oh, man, I'm fasting all the time, man. My clerics are falling off me. And I said, Father, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the guy, the guy that did this ceremony. The guy, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this. He's got to make reparation for that. 
He's got to fill. He's got to. He's got to totally have a complete metanoia for God for the, in the ordinary way, and that's going to be confession. He's got to go to confession. If he hasn't confessed it, God's not going to liberate him. So yeah, you need to fast for your own protection. You need to fast so that you're a pure instrument, a pure vessel for in God's hands and Our Lady's hands. But the, that guy needs to fast as well. So that's that. That's part of the ordinary means, and you got. We've got to tap into that. And we're, we're losing that. Again, if there's no priesthood except for the very minimal amount of things in a functional way, the only difference between what this, this so-called apostle, self-identifying apostle on a public park is doing and it's happening in some Catholic circles is that in, in, in the Catholic, Catholic prayer meetings, there's a priest that will have a mass and stand in the back and kind of watch what's going on. But there's really no other difference between that and what's going on. We've got to return to Catholic norms. The battlefield has changed. We've got to go back to Catholic norms. And that's what that's what this book and this program is trying to do. Dan, one of the things that I know that uh, that you have in the book, because I send you the data and I'm, I'm sure you put it in. You show that there's three tiers of priests in the Old Testament and three tiers of priests in the New Testament. Uh, you can you can find that on Dan's new book that's coming out. The Liber Crystal Method, a field manual for spiritual combat coming out June 27th. Ten books. I also found this in other books, uh, one by uh, no relation to me, Father Mario Romero, uh, in a book called Unabridged Christianity. He shows the biblical example of the three-tiered priesthoods in both covenants, the Old and the New Testament. Dan, uh, this is the basic misunderstanding of the Pentecostals and those that that are, are going around acting like little clerics. It's that they don't understand that there are three priesthoods in both testaments and everybody has to stay within their lane of authority, correct? Right. The, the, you know, the, the enemy, as Father Rivergrew aptly defines, is a, is a lawyer from hell. He knows the rules. He's strictly bound by the rules of engagement. E- even in our own combat, I use Roger's rules for Rangers, uh, um, for, for U.S. Army Rangers. This is, this is still what the Rangers use today. Uh, and so the Rangers and I had these rules memorized at one time I, and they come back to me, you know, as I, as I go back through and I put some in the book. Um, Rogers said that, that every this first stand first rule is every Ranger is bound by the rules and articles of war. So we've got to play by the rules that even knows that is going to pull you outside of the rules of combat. Uh, and so, yeah, so we, we see this. It's, oh, I want to give another couple other quotes from Father Gable Amorth. I By the way, Tan has also got a book called uh, The Official Biography of G- Father Gable Amorth. That Father Ripperger did the introduction for, and I did some of the the, the, the the editing for. So it's a pretty good story, and it gives some other details you may not have known about the life of Father Morth. But here's what he says: One confession is worth a hundred exorcism. The best exorcisms. The best exorcism is confession, because this is the most direct means to fight Satan. It is a sacrament that tears souls from the demons' grasp strengthens against sin, unites us more closely to God, helps us to conform our souls increasingly to the divine will. I advise frequent confession, possibly weekly, to all victims of evil activity. He says confession is a sacrament where graces are conferred, while exorcism is a sacramental. That is part of the church's liturgical prayer, right? So, so, and he even says, Satan is more enraged when we take souls away from him from confession than we take away bodies through exorcism. This is, the sacrament of penance is the most direct means to fight Satan. But if you walk into a, a, a church that's using unbound, you're not using the sacrament. On the fourth key, you're confessing your sins to another layperson. They call it telling secrets, but it's a confession. 
This is a parallel sacrament that's being take that's taking place. We start in the confessional. We work in the confessional. That's the ordinary channels. And this is the most this is the guy that brought exorcism back into the forefront in the modern age. And what we're doing is building and what Father Ramorth is doing, but building upon a clean soul that grows in virtue, holiness and thought word and deed. This is the ordinary means of, of fighting the enemy. And we, in extreme cases, we go to the extraordinary, uh, and the church has a response for that in the ministry of exorcism and minor exorcism. Dan, I wanted to quote Father Stephen Rossetti. He's the exorcist in Washington, D.C. He's a trained psychologist. He's asked this question about lay people laying hands and commanding demons to leave. So he's asked this question directly. Here's what he says. He says, one place to tread lightly is in regards to the fourth key, an, an unbound on authority and the word of command. As lay Christians, it is inappropriate to lay hands on one another with the intent to command demons to be cast out. Catholic exorcists agree to do such a thing is inviting trouble since lay people do not have the requisite spiritual authority, close quote. Father yeah. Stephen Rossetti. You know, again, it's not just uh, crabby old traditional Father Ripperger, Kyle Clement, Dr. Dan, you know, I mean, this is kind of, there's been, as he said, all exorcists or most exorcists would agree. This is, this is a practice that we've got to clean up. Uh, and again, this is safe snake handling procedures. And, and uh, I think that's a great quote, Monsignor uh, Rossetti. That's right. You're listening to uh, <clears throat> Wednesday War College. Dan's book is coming out June 27th, Liber Crystal Method, a field manual for spiritual combat. All these questions that we're going through are basically answered in that book. And this is the proper way to handle snakes, i.e. demons. This is the proper way of self-delivering and of helping people in the body of Christ also to return back to a life of purity in, in, in the sacraments and be delivered from the diabolical. We'll be right back. Stick around. We're going to talk about impartation next. Impartation. What is it? Wednesday War College, Psalm 69, verse 2, God, come to my assistance. Lord, Lord make haste to help, to help me. me. Dan, I want to talk about the principle of impartation. Uh, a charismatic theologian defines it as such. The, ens the, the essence of the principle of impartation is this. Reproducing in others what, by God's grace, we have sought to cultivate and develop within ourselves. Impartation has to do with the giving and receiving of spiritual gifts, blessings, healing, baptism in the Holy Spirit for the work of the ministry. It is the transference of these gifts from one man or woman of God to another, especially through the laying on of hands, close quote. Uh, <clears throat> now, here's my comment on impartation. The dictionary defines impartation as uh, the state or process of having been told, given, or granted something. Uh, so it's, it's uh, for example, the extra appointment time allows a physician to streamline the impartation of information. Example two, I am convinced that I have received a supernatural impartation that night, some people would say. So 
we see that there are, there are a few examples of the Holy Bible of, of men. And I notice what I say, men, patriarchs, or those men in spiritual authority imparting some gift to another man because of their office. I would submit when you look at the sacred scriptures that the one imparting the gift, either by natural law, a dad, a father, or divine positive law, uh, a, a spiritual patriarch uh, over somebody else, those are the ones that, that are imparting some type of grace. But the impartation of that grace is imparted through an office instituted by God as he's delegating this gift to a subordinate under his authority. But there's no biblical example of just a, a lay person who's of equal status to another lay person imparting some gift through the laying on of hands. There's no biblical example of a woman imparting a gift through the laying on of hands. And the, the last thing I'll say is this. Look it. Anybody can invent a teaching out of thin air. That's why we have 40,000 denominations. Uh, you can take some exceptional case in the Holy Bible and you can pretend like this is normative Christianity. For example, you can take the case of, of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead and walk around and say, every, every Christian should raise people from the dead because Jesus did. Uh, Dan, comments on impartation? Yeah, well, I mean, again, we look in the New Testament. Those who imparted the Holy Spirit through the imposition of hands were, 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 were priests, presbyters, uh, or bishops. St. Paul upon Timothy uh, um, uh, the, the, in the Acts of the Apostles. Those were all members, if you look at tradition, St. Apollotus of Rome, he lists off those guys were all part of the 72 that Christ sent out. According to Ludwig, Ludwig Ott, when, uh, uh, the, the Fundamentals of Catholic Dogma, when Christ sent those 72 out, they received authority as apostles. So these are men that had apostolic authority. They had, they had, they, 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 they were given that they were priests, bishops. Actually, they were bishops that were doing this. Um, here's a clarification before we get to this idea of impartation and some of the errors of it. Um, this is this is a letter from the CDF dated 26 June 2015. Uh, uh, the member, the, the the superior general of a, of a major religious order, asked a question: Is it can a priest lawfully? Uh, is as a priest allowed publicly or and or privately to pray the exorc the exorcism of Satan and fallen angels, known as Chapter Three, or the exorcism of Leader the Thirteenth, found in Title Twelve of the 1956 Ritualli Romanum? And the second question was: um, Can deacons what prayers can deacons pray? Can deacons pray exorcism prayers from the old ritual? And so he they they they, they clarify by saying the public use of said exorcism. And I encourage priests and bishops. Or bishops to give their their priests permission, uh, at least the good and holy ones that will wield this power uh, uh, safely, um, to do this. And, and bishops should be doing this over their diocese. You want to rock. You want to bring down the strongholds in your diocese. Pray this prayer. This is a powerful prayer, the Leader Thirteenth prayer. And so, um, so, so a, a priest to say it publicly has to have express permission. He can say it privately for himself, but he can say it publicly um, with permission only. It's a reserved prayer. Now, the interesting thing on to this point is um, can the, 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 the second part of the, de uh, the dubium is can a deacon validly confect blessings which are not expressly ure permitted to him in the 1956 ritual Romanum? Um, it's, it refers to Canon 1169 uh, paragraph 3, which says a deacon can only impart those blessings expressly permitted by law. So a deacon is restricted to only those that were in the, the ritual, uh, the, the new revised ritual of blessings. Okay, 
So it says that a, demon, a deacon cannot. He can only pray those prayers. It's restricted to what he has specifically been given. So if a deacon is restricted by canon law and clarified by the CDF, a priest can only pray chapter 3 with express permission. Um, so the imposition, this ties into imposition of hands. Why do lay people think that they can go out and confer the Holy Spirit and do all these blessings by the imposition of hands when a deacon himself is being restricted? When even a priest is restricted on certain prayers. That makes sense to me, Dan. Uh, very good explanation. Also, when you look at impartation, Dan, uh, you know, a lot of Catholics can fall into, they can, not, without even realizing it, Dan, they can fall into practices of white witchcraft, white magic. What do I mean by that? You get phone calls, I get phone calls. Jess, this is happening in my family. What prayer do I do to get rid of this problem? Dan, that's superstition. That's a superstitious way of approaching prayer. That's what the witches do. That's white magic. Let me define white magic from some witch websites. It says this, white magic. Many people who claim to have the ability to do such things because of knowledge or power that was passed, passed on to them through hereditary lines or by some event later in their lives. When you use white magic to heal yourself, it causes a chain reaction that spreads love and light to those around you. Dan, we have to be careful as Catholics not to fall into the superstitious practice of white magic. Look at prayer like white magic. Okay, my kid's doing this. What prayer is going to is going to heal him from what sacramental? What yeah. what special prayer? It's not. It's it's or this is the the, the, the that was what Father Amorth said. We we can slip into that if we try to to circumvent the ordinary means. Here's what Saint Bonaventure, Doctor of the Church, said. You're, you're going to have to text me that quote, Dan. I need that for my I need that for my to yeah. paste all kinds of emails. We're falling into magic. We're falling into magic if we're not careful. He said that's a temptation. Saint Bonaventure, if you wish to know yourself better, you must secondly reflect to see if you if in there thrives in you a disordered desire for pleasure, curiosity, or vanity. Surely the disordered desire of curiosity thrives in the servant of God when she desires to know the occult, when she yearns to see the beautiful, when she wants to possess what is rare. Obviously, the disordered desire of vanity thrives in the spouse of Christ, the soul, when she seeks the favor of others, when she yearns for their praise and desires to be honored. The spouse of Christ must flee like poison. All these things... They are the roots of evil. Father Garagouga Lagrange, Three Ages of the Interior Life. The charisms, or graces, gratis date, are greatly inferior to sanctifying grace and the virtue wow. of charity. Hmm. So, so uh, you know, well, Psalm 131, Lord, uh, uh, do not let me seek things beyond me. Protect me. And Psalm 1913, protect me from presumption. That I may not fall the uh, 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 fall into presumption and fall from through presumption fall into sin. So we have to be very careful. We have to be very careful not to 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 try to circumvent the ordinary means. I'm not saying that we we shouldn't be working. Obviously, this is what you and I do and many others. You're working, but we're assisting in 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 the priest and their their duty as as priests as part of their duty as part of that comes with sacred orders there was a movie called sky high years ago uh it was kind of a cute movie kurt douglas or kurt russell and they had they had this school for people's superpowers and you had the superheroes and hero support and the, the superheroes were the guys that were superheroes 
And then the sidekicks that didn't, weren't that talented, but they but they wanted to be there. They were hero support. And in this ministry, the lay people are hero support. In my home, I'm a superhero. But when I'm working with 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 other lady, I'm hero support, and I'm here to do what I can to help the uh, help the priesthood. Dan, apparently, I've looked at uh, several uh, journal articles that the word impartation is mentioned only five times in the New Testament, and uh, except in Romans chapter one verse one where St. Paul talks about him imparting uh, a gift to the Romans, all the other uses of the word in impartation uh, are, are not used in the supernatural sense like we're talking about here. Uh, in, in other, uh, what you see in St. Paul in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, he's imparting something because he has an office in the church that he's going to mediate through the laying on of hands. Uh, in, in, in that, you know, for example, uh, you got the impartation of confirmation in Acts chapter six, verses six, the deacons that were made deacons by the apostles. And this is consistent with uh, what we see with the authority of the office of Moses and Joshua. So and even Elijah and Elisha, Elisha didn't say, I want this gift. He was chosen and it was a conferral of an office. It was a conferral of an office. It wasn't a random thing. Yeah. Paul was chosen. I mean, Timothy was chosen. Paul conferred the office of priesthood to to him through the imposition yeah. of hands, and so this is to me is kind of a to me it's a parallel it's a parallel sacramental structure. Now, does do I say that lay people shouldn't be involved? Not at all. We need to stay involved. We need to engage. But remember, the lay charism is secular in nature. That's what the Second Vatican Council says. The priestly the the priest is is ordained and ordered in his ontological nature, the depth of his being changed and ordered towards the sacrifice towards offering the sacrifice, the holy sacrifice of the mass. This is his, this is what he has ordered towards, and this is the end of which uh, he is he is driven as a priest. The, that, that's his charism, the sacerdotal charism. Our charism is secular in nature. We go and we, we get we get DDT from the church. We get good principles. Then we Devil go into destroy the, theology. Devil destroy theology. theology. And we go kneel on, on, on broken asphalt and prayers of reparation. In, in Los and, Angeles. In Los Angeles. <laughs> And offenses against the Blessed Mother for, for people that are blaspheming and committing sacrileges. We go into the world, into the public realm, and we bring the gospel to them. That's our job. It isn't to, to create a parallel sacramental system. Get know, the book. The church itself. Get the book. Comes out June 27th. The Little yeah. Crystal Method, a field manual for spiritual combat by Dr. Dan Schneider, my partner here on Wednesdays. 10books.com, 10books.com. This is a book that needs to be not read but used by every catholic family to stay protected to have that protection of christ and our lady from the diabolical hey family see you next time thanks for joining us up next gary machuda hands-on apologetics as for me and dr dan schneider we are eow end of watch we are out god bless you family see you next time same christ time same christ channel viva cristo rey <laughs>